so glad you've joined us on the ERLC podcast to explore how the Bible addresses important cultural issues pertaining to life, religious liberty, marriage and family, and human dignity, and how we can walk in wisdom for God's glory and for the flourishing of our neighbors. If you're enjoying this podcast and find it helpful, please leave a review wherever you listen. This will help more people find and benefit from what we're learning together. We are grateful for the time you take to join us for these conversations. Women are necessary and indispensable to do Great Commission work. And so when we see ourselves involved in Great Commission work, and that's what you and I are involved in, whether it's in writing or publishing or editing, and I see women really flourishing in that area. I see women writing curriculum. Hi, I'm Trillia Newbell, and I'm excited to announce our series, Better Together. The series captures our desire to partner together as men and women in the church and beyond to advance the kingdom with mutual support and care. Better Together will address a wide range of topics from sexual abuse, leadership, women in work, women's ministry, and so much more. Our goal is to inform and equip listeners on matters most important to women in the areas of church, home, and work. And I'm really excited about our guest today. Her name is Kathy Litton. She is the Director of Planter Spouse Development at the North American Mission Board. That is a mouthful. It is a mouthful. (laughs) And she's been with NAM for seven and a half years. She's also a pastor's wife. So thank you so much for being with us, Kathy. Well, it's my joy to be with you today, Trillia. I'm excited. Me too. I'm excited because um, we're going to be talking about leadership, and we are going to be thinking about leadership. You are a leader within the SBC and NAM, and I've watched you just um, lead so well and effectively. So you've been in places, I'm assuming, and you tell me if this is wrong, but I believe you've been in places and positions where you were either the first woman or the only woman. How have you navigated those spaces? Well, I would say I've worked in some predominantly male uh, environments. Um, I've been a pastor's wife since I was young, and I was widowed and lost my first husband, Rick Ferguson, in 2002. And on his death, I went on staff in 2005 at a megachurch in the Southern Baptist Convention on staff. And I was the only female on the ministry team at that church. And so that put me in an environment of working with primarily males uh, in that role. And then my role at the North American Mission Board, obviously, is a it's a mission agency where their primary goal is to help churches find their next missional step. And so we're working with a lot of pastors in there. Uh, we're also developing uh, planters and their wives. And so I work with a lot of men. I work on the SIN Network team. And I'm one of two women out of 19 on that team. So um, 17 men, two women involved in that. So, yes, I've been in a lot of male-dominated space as a leader at the local church and at the entity. Now, how have you navigated it? Has it been um, without—you you can get as specific as you want <laughs> and talk yeah. about difficult things? Or it has it been 
a, a something that you've been intimidated by? How have you navigated that space? Well, I, I think for any woman stepping into this, and I, you know, I was 40, 47 when I went on staff. I wasn't in my 20s, but uh, I do think that it takes... Um, you kind of grow into working with men all the time. You become a learner of, of how this should work and how it can work. And overall, really, Trillia, in that space at a local church and at NAM, my ultimate goal is to add value to who has ever hired me and what team I'm on and contribute to the mission of that organization. And so when I keep that in the forefront, you know, that's my number one goal is how do I add value here and how can I function with a lot of men around me uh, all the time. And I learned a lot from the men that I work with. They were uh, very helpful and accommodating along the way. But it does take um, some wisdom and some patience and some self-awareness to know how to get into that space as a female and lead um, in a way that's believable and effective in the context that you're in and not try to be somebody you're not. Okay, that's um, good. I was trying to figure and, out believable, but that yeah, makes sense, I mean, being who you I, are. Yeah, I think there's maybe under that pressure, some of us want to create a persona to kind of fit in there and and maybe, uh, and that's not really who we are. And I think being authentic and having self-awareness about conversations, um, when we can make too many sweeping generalizations about the differences of men and women, but on the, and that wouldn't be fair for either gender, but on the other hand, to be aware of and observe the way that, that men lead and how they communicate and be sure that I'm effective in that space, if that makes any sense. It does Um, make sense. It does make sense. Be, be who you are and don't feel like you have to be, well, let's just put it frankly, a man. Yeah. You can be a woman (laughs) And still uh, affect change. And and I think sometimes even for men, there can be this certain persona that we they, we all feel like you have to be a type A personality mm-hmm. to lead and affect change and for the organization to thrive. And and that's just not how God has, in, has designed mm-hmm. ministry worker and leadership. You said something and I thought, ah, oh, that's it again. It's about service and a lot of it's about focusing on the the mission at hand and Mm -hmm. contributing to that. And so how can we encourage a woman who's afraid? Like she's she's like, okay, I wanna I wanna do that. I wanna take my God-given gifts and I but that she is more tempted to shrink back. And so she may not out of fear, use her voice, or um, it could be because she doesn't want to per- be perceived a certain way, maybe, or whatever it is. How can you encourage the woman who hears this, but maybe shrinks back? I would say to women, embrace that opportunity. Um, if if those doors are opening, whether they're for a vocational role or as a volunteer, if someone wants you to be involved in the organization at any level, embrace that opportunity uh, and recognize the specific assignment that you've been hired for. You know, I was thinking, Trillia, even today about this conversation. I just want to say my overall goal is not to bring progress to the role of women at local churches or in our denomination. That's not my overall goal. Hmm. While that's important and it's been a joy really in the last few years to watch progress being made, 
But I think a woman loses sight of what she's supposed to do. I say embrace the opportunity and work in the specific assignment that she's been hired for and invited into or volunteering for and do that well. Um, doing her job well, doing her assignment well is so really, really important. And then we're not focused on the men or the women or how many men are there and how many women. I'm being invited to do a task. I'm being invited to advocate for spouses in our church planning system at NAM, And they're so critical to the success of church plants. And, you know, God has given me the opportunity to stand up and say that to roomfuls of men often. Your wife is the most important human factor of your church plan and and your success. And when I'm able to advocate, I'm doing what I'm assigned to do. And I feel comfortable doing that because that's the assignment that God's given me. So focus on the task and God will handle the results. The results will likely be a promotion of other women. In other words, when those doors are opened, it can lead for other opportunities. So we don't have to necessarily push down the door, we can be faithful in what God has called us to. That's what I think I hear you saying. Well, and also don't don't let it get in your head that you work with a bunch of men. You know what I mean? I think that's the other thing of it. Keep focused on what they've asked you to do and, and not worry about the environment around you. And you've been given the opportunity to be there. You've been invited to be there. And so don't shrink back from that and step in and do the job that they ask you to do and do it with, you know, do it exceptionally. I think um, overall, that's been on my mind of the last two places I've been employed with. You know, how can I add value here and stay, keep my thoughts on that, Trillia, rather than the sidebar issues of men and women working together? No, that's good. That's helpful. But um, for some, they haven't had an opportunity or they ha- are gifted in certain ways, but they don't see the opportunity, or maybe they've been pushed back on. How would you encourage them? How can a woman lead when there doesn't seem to be areas to lead in, or at least no perceived areas? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm around a good number of young women that are very eager to contribute in places, and um, this this applies a little bit to the question you're asking. And I tell a lot of young women, serve, serve, and serve where God puts you. And I believe leadership doors will open up. And now I know there's a lot of women that have served a long time that ever had leadership doors open up. I'm not naive. But I do believe that any particularly younger woman starting out, you and I know we learn a ton as servants in any at any level, at a local church or anyplace else when we're able to be engaged because, you know, we're volunteering, but usually that opens up doors. And uh, I think that when I think about the women that you and I know, Troy, that are involved in organizations, one of the things that they're doing is they're helping open the doors and they're empowering younger women around the way and helping them develop their own leadership. And so, um, I looked at this question. I think that we want men to invite women into as many spaces as as we can see, but we also see women being able to do that as well. No, that's uh, good. And and I mean, I would just encourage women do not lose patience with the process. And I know that I'm saying that to some women that have said, "I've been patient, Gabby," and, <laughs> and those doors have not opened up. Yeah. Um, but 
we can't exactly kick those doors down. And we're just looking for God to give us that open door. And even in the smallest way that if we're given this platform to lead something that we do that well, we're faithful in that. And we're doing that really, um, you know, not for the people around us, but for the Lord. And so we keep, you know, keeping all this very pure at heart. I think this is the key right here. There's nothing wrong with ambition unless it becomes selfish ambition. No, you're exactly right. There's nothing wrong. I'm just repeating it. There's nothing wrong with ambition unless it's selfish ambition. And I I think sometimes we can uh, f- mix that, forget that, that you can, ambition isn't a sin, selfish ambition is. So, so you can be ambitious to the glory of God and for his kingdom advancement. So where do you see women excelling in ministry? You had, you just mentioned that there's, I, I, I do see this. I see women who, who have a desire and, and they're maybe even creating their own thing. They're, doing well in, in ministry work, where do you see? Well, I, I agree with you before we start talking about, you know, all the years, but I think the entrepreneurial spirit of this generation, we've seen so many women be able to create a platform or a, a, a ministry that's unrelated to a denomination or to a local church that have been so valuable to the kingdom of God. And I just really stand back and I applaud that. And obviously technology has made so many things possible like that. Uh, And I'm encouraged by that, but I'm also encouraged by seeing hires that we've seen being made within our denomination. There are a good number of women involved at our entities that are coming into more significant roles, more visible parts of leadership. Um, Even watching Southeastern for the first time, we had a chairman of the board of one of our seminaries, you know, in in recent years. And, And that seeing those I think those hirings are open up more doors and more doors. You know, I, I wrote a blog after the Southern Baptist Convention this year about SBC women, where do we go from here? And I made mm-hmm. the statement in there that we've had a little bit of tokenism in the Southern Baptist life regarding women, and, and tokenism says that we see you, but inclusion mm. says we need you. And that I really is really think good. We're starting to see that, Trillia, that organizations, legit old organizations are saying, we don't just want you on here because we need a quota of women. We need you involved in our organization. And I, I am encouraged with that. And I hope that crescendos, you know, I hope we see, see more of that. I, I just wrote that down. Tokenism says we see you. Inclusion says we need you. I think that's important. And I think that's probably been where we've seen maybe error and where the God can still do do work in this area. So we have just a few questions left here. How can men and women partner well in ministry? Well, I think when we see together that we're doing this Great Commission work together, Jen Wilkin recently taught this in a setting, and she made the statement that women, just like in the in, in Genesis, the original mandate, she was necessary to be fruitful and multiply on the planet. Right. And she said that women are necessary and indispensable to do Great Commission work. And so when we see ourselves involved in Great Commission work, uh, the Great Commission was given to men and women alike at the time. And so when we see that, um, 
And that's what you and I are involved in, whether it's in writing or publishing or editing. And I see women really flourishing in that area. I see women writing curriculum. Um, I I see at, at our church, my husband is a pastor of a church and he's got this team of women writing curriculum. One of them has a seminary degree and couple of them has been trained hardcore in their life and precept, and he's tapping into the resources to create the the personalized curriculum that we need. And so uh, also in local church work and missiology, um, I look at IMB website and how many more articles and stories are being told by women because we have so many women doing missions internationally. And so uh, what we're seeing there is that they've been invited and they've been included. Our church where my husband pastors, and it's not a mega church, but it's a large church. And he, my husband just hired a 23-year-old young woman to be our lead worship pastor. And so the doors are opening at the local church Uh, And you know what? Our congregation has accepted her in ways that are, it's just been very, it's been a very beautiful thing to see. And so I see women excelling in local church staff roles really um, and getting a lot of traction in their leadership and their skill set. That is awesome. Well, we want to end with some gospel hope. How might we have hope in this area? Because again, I think I mentioned it earlier, there's probably someone who's listening who's discouraged. And I'm specifically thinking of a woman. And there could be a male as well who's tried, but they feel like they don't do enough or can't give enough. So so how can we encourage this with a gospel vision, gospel lens? Well, when you think about the example we see in the New Testament, and when you start reading from Acts you know, forward of the story of the church and the gospel being spread. You see women involved in there. And I think that we just reconnect ourselves to we get the opportunity to advance the gospel. And what I'm doing at North American Mission Board, I'm getting opportunity to pour into women that can advance the gospel in some of the toughest cities in America to see the gospel move forward. And so the hope is that lives will be changed, and the glorious truth of what Christ has done on the cross, we get an opportunity to be a part of seeing that change the world and change families and change lives. And, And that's what drives me more than just creating and trying to help create healthy planner spouses. It's just bigger vision. I just say we can't lose sight of that. Amen. No, you're so right. Well, thank you so much, Kathy. This has been encouraging and inspiring and hopefully faith building for those who are in ministry and who've been discouraged just to take steps of faith and to act and to do and to entrust it all to the Lord with a focus on serving others to his and for his glory. Well, Kathy, we thank you. Thank you for your time. You have been listening to the ERLC podcast. I am your host, Trillia Newbell, for this season, and we look forward to connecting soon.